Well, thanks, Heaven's family, for the work that you guys do, and of course, the opportunity that we get to support them. Uh, we are blessed, aren't we, church? We are very blessed, and we just want to continue uh, to bless others with that. If you have your Bibles, of course, we're going to be in Luke 15 as we talk about the uh, prodigal son, and of course, we're in this series called A Taste of Home. So we've been talking about this for the last three weeks, and we've really tried to dissect all three of the characters. In the first week, we talked about the youngest son. Uh, who struggled with the sin of license, where he was just going to go, and he was just going to do, and he rejected the Father. Uh, and, and, and we talked about how, you know, there's your ideas, there's good ideas, and then there's God's ideas. And, and so often we get lost in those three different areas. And then the next week, we talked about the whole point of the story. No matter where you are, no matter who you are, God loves you, He wants you, and He's ready and willing to throw a party for you. And so that's what we talked about uh, the next week. And this week, we're going to talk about the uh, older son and, and the brother uh, in the story. And so we can talk about these two things. Now, the interesting thing about this is when Jesus is talking about this, and of course we addressed this last week, there's all kinds of different characters uh, specifically in this that he's relating to. And so he's sitting down with a group of people, and he's got all the way down uh, from, you know, tax collectors and sinners all the way up to the holiest of holiest. Uh, at this point, which is the, the Pharisees. And so he's talking to all these different groups of people, and he's telling them this one story. And the point of this story is, of course, that he wants you and that he loves you. It, and it doesn't matter if you're the son that ran away or you're the son, of course, that was outside. Remember last week, the son that was outside and refusing to come in, the father went to him and begged him to come in. And so we're going to talk about that son, and we're going to talk about kind of the sin of legalism and kind of the difference between license and, and legalism as, as we talk about it in so many circles. So the sin of license is like, I can do what I want to do, and God will love me anyways. And that's the idea. I'm just going to do whatever. I'm just going to do whatever I want. You know, whether I reject God or whether I say God will love me anyways, it's just all about, I'm going to do what I want. And honestly, it's all about me, 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 right? I can do what I want. Now, now the truth is that, yes, God loves you, but you guys know this. Sin is not without consequences, right? On earth and eternally. There are consequences to your sin. And we don't want to face those consequences. We want to be able to do what we want without consequences, but that's just not the reality of life. Because yes, God is love, but God is also just. Isn't that correct? God is love, but he's also a judge. And at the end, your sin, your life, the Bible tells us, will be judged. That's the sin of license. The sin of legalism kind of goes a little bit the other direction, where it's all about what I have done equals what God does for me. I perform, he recognizes and moves based on my performance. That's, that's the sin of legalism. And, and that's what so many of the Pharisees, the people that Jesus was talking to, they struggled with. Listen, I've done this, I've done this, I do this, therefore I receive this. Now, what's the problem with that? It's the same problem as the other one. It's all about me, 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 and we lose sight of God, don't we? My eternity is now based on myself and not based on the sacrifice of Jesus. And so we lose sight of the Heavenly Father. We lose sight of Jesus and His sacrifice, and we are all focused on performance. And that's the difference between the young brother and the old brother, the young son and the older son. The young son went and partied and did what he wanted, and he struggled. He ate with the pigs. Did God want him eating with the pigs? No, but he did. The older brother, 
felt like he deserved more and deserved better based on his actions, and he missed out and refused to go in with the father because of that. Both lost sight of the big picture because both were focused on themselves. One was focused on, I want to do what I want, and one was focused on, I'm going to do what I'm supposed to do so that I will be rewarded for my performance later. And it doesn't matter which direction you go, it's eyes off of God and eyes on you. And that's not where God wants us, correct? That's not where God wants us. And so we're going to talk about this a little bit. There's a scripture that I was going to read at the end, but I really want to read at the beginning because I just think it brings us all together. And, and, and it's a scripture that I read uh, with the volunteers before service today, and it's John 6, 28 through 29. So Annabelle Rose, can you throw that one up there for me, please? Uh, on the screen. And I'm going to flip there. John 6 says this. Jesus was talking. He tells everybody, you know, that, that, you know, the things that he's done, so on and so forth. And then he is asked this question in verse 28. What, was, what must we do to do the works God requires? God requires. What do you mean God requires? They're asking, what does God require us to do so that we can get to heaven, so we can have eternal life, so that we will receive and establish eternal reward? Jesus is asked this question. We will do whatever we need to do. Tell us what we need to do so that we can go do it, so that God moves based on our performance, so that we receive the reward based on what our actions are. Help us. You know what Jesus' response is to this? He answered in verse 29, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. To believe in the one he has sent. Now, I don't know about you, but if these guys were asking the question that I think they were asking in the heart they were asking, this is not a, a, an answer that they're looking for, right? They want to go out and they want to take care of a widow or they want to take care of an orphan or they want to do something specific. They want to, you know, uh, take communion like we did earlier. Who knows? But they want to do something physical so that they can receive an eternal reward. And his answer is this. I want you to believe in the one that the Father has sent. I want you to believe. Uh, isn't this interesting? Because I think this is, this is the reality of this. We church, like the older son, we get focused so much on what we're doing, we forget about what he has done. And when we forget about what he has done, our eyes are on us, our faith is on us. The reality is we think we can do it and earn it, and our eyes are off of him. That's why I love this story so much, the story of the prodigal son, because you have both of these characters in here, and both are wrong. Both are. Eventually, the one comes back, and the other we don't really know. His father begged him to come in, but we don't really know. So we see that. Of course, in Luke 15, and so I want to read these, these two scriptures uh, to you, just to kind of establish this, and they were read earlier, but they're valuable. Luke 15, 11 through 16, talks about the younger son and what he had done, where he had ate with the pigs, and then we can see Luke 15, 25 through 32, this is the older son. Meanwhile, the older son, he was in the field, and when he came near to the house, he heard music and dancing. He heard it. He's like, what in the world is going on? So he called one of the servants and asked him 
what was going on. Your brother has come home, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. And he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you. Hear, hear the eyes in this. Hear how it's all about him. I have been slaving for you, yet you have never even given me a goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when the son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you killed the fattened calf for him. I, I think this is interesting, and I mentioned this last week. The father then goes on and explains, listen, you have been with me always, and everything I have is yours. But see, even this son, he's selling himself short. He's like, I deserve a goat to celebrate with my friends. He's like, a goat? Everything I have is yours. And you want a goat, a silly goat. It's all yours. The, the, the younger son asked for his stuff, and he went and squandered it, and the father gave it to him. Everything I have is yours at this point. Don't, don't sell yourself short with a goat. Keep your eyes on the Father. Keep your eyes on what He has. I mean, the, the Heavenly Father has offered us so many amazing things. And we have our eyes on things like goats. We think we want goats. And this Christmas season, church, is a perfect time for us to keep our eyes off the goats and to keep our eyes on Him and everything He has provided us with. You know what I would take this Christmas over gifts? I would take a peaceful home. I would. I would take love and joy in the time that I spend with my family. Those are things that the Lord offers, but you know what we're looking for? Goats. I want an iPhone. I want an iPad. Those types of things. And, 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 and you know, most of us have kids and we experience those things all the time. My kids, some of them have given me a Christmas list where it's like, guys, I mean, like, I'm not buying you a Mercedes. It's just not happening. I don't know what you're talking about, you know? Like, it's not, I don't, where would you get the idea that I would do this for you? You know, there's so many times it's like, that's $1,000. Guys, we spend like 50 bucks, you know? Like, you gotta, you gotta be a little more realistic, but that's it, right? The, the, our eyes, when it comes to Christmas, so often is that we're looking for a goat. And Jesus says, why, why, would, you, why would you want a goat when all that I have is yours? Let's, let's be ready this holiday season to keep our eyes on him so we can really receive the joy, the love, the peace, the hope that this season has to offer. I would trade all of the gifts for hope, right? And that's what our Heavenly Father has given us. And that's what the season is all about. And that's what we're going to talk about next week, I believe, as we start our Advent series. The hope in the coming Messiah. The hope in the Savior Jesus. Because it's so much more valuable than a phone. It just is. But I see this in this guy. He wants a goat. The Lord says, everything I have is yours. Come in. You're with me. Celebrate. But he refused to go in. And so why is this bad? This is bad because we're not trusting God. We trust ourselves. We trust our actions to save us instead of God. And we know this. The Bible tells us this. All have sinned. All fall short of the glory of God. And all of us need a Savior. I'm not saying, please hear me, of course. Go out and be like the younger brother, where you go out and you just do what you want because you're going to end up eating with the pigs. But I'm also saying that it's not about what you have done. It's about what he has done. And we need to focus on that. 
And we get that this holiday season during the Thanksgiving time. We get to focus on what the Lord has done. So let's talk about this a little bit, and we can address some of these things in this story. How do we know if we have a legalism problem? You know, it's something that I want us to address uh, in our own lives. I was reading a book called Spiritual Leadership by J. Oswald Sanders, and this book is heavy, but it's really, really good, and I'm going through it with a, a good friend of mine, and in it he says this, Aristotle taught that a leader should be one who remembers the good rather than the evil. The good one has received rather than the good one has done. I think that's so important, isn't it? The good that you have received rather than the good you have done. When, when we talk about thinking about the good, what does your mind go to? Does it go to the good that you have done or does it go to the good that you have received? Because I think it's so important that we are, when we think about this thankfulness, we think about the good that the Lord has done. And I'm telling you the truth, guys. When I think about this, this and one of the reasons I'm talking about this right here is I, I was convicted by this quote right here. I was convicted. Because I don't know how many times I have said things to the Lord, like, Lord, I have done this for you, and, and, and I got this. And once again, I'm, I'm, I'm performing to move the Lord. And, and I feel like I'm turning into, in this situation, a little bit of the older brother, where I'm focused more on what I have done instead of what he has done, and the grace that has already been given us. And so we talk about this a little bit. So when you think about good, is it the good that you have done, or is it the good that you have received? That's one way that we can know a little bit about our legalism. Do you compare your holiness to others? Because if that's the comparison, you've got it way off. Because you know who God compares your holiness to? His. <laughs> and good Lord. That's not great, right? That's why we need Jesus. Because your holiness, you have to be as holy as the Lord to be in the presence of him. Isn't that crazy? And so we, we can't do that. But we think, oh man, I'm not as bad as them. I'm good. No, no, no. You're not as good as him. You ain't good. You ain't good. That's why you need a savior, somebody to come in and to make you righteous. So anyways, here we go. We have this scripture, 1 Peter 1, 13 through 21. You can read that on your own, but it talks about so much about this, this and, and what it does, what it means, of course, to be holy because he is holy, to be holy like him. And so that holiness only comes, of course, through the grace and love of Jesus. In, the, in this story that we see in Luke, he says you talk to others about the Father rather than talking to the Father. There, there's something really interesting here that when he hears the noise and when he, when he hears the dancing, he goes and he talks to a servant. He doesn't go to the source. He doesn't go to the, the maker of the home. He goes and talks to the servant, which is what the point of, of the story kind of is at the very beginning. The very beginning of this, the Pharisees are grumbling to each other that Jesus eats with sinners. They never, ever went and talked to Jesus about it. They grumbled to each other. Because what were they doing? They weren't challenging this. No, they were making themselves feel better about themselves, which we do so often. Which what happens? It's all about us. Once again, it's all about us. Can, can, we, can we approach? Can we have conversations? Can we pray for people instead of talking about one another? Can we do that? I wrote here, knowing about God is more important than knowing God. I think that's something else. That, that we, we study, but we don't build relationship. What else? What you do is more important than what he's done. 
That's how you can know if you have a, a legalism problem. And, and the other thing is you feel like you deserve more. You feel like you deserve more. Why? Because of your actions. It's so amazing. You know, I have, I have two boys uh, at home, two boys, three girls, and the boys, they, they, they get into fights with each other. And the fights are, they're not good, right? We try and discourage fighting uh, in our home, which we have wrestlers and we have sports that we're involved with, and so the tendency to be competitive comes out and fights happen and things like that, and we discourage that. But, but here's the funny thing. No matter what happens in the fight, it, we know this, right? It's never their fault. They always are the ones that don't deserve to be in trouble, and their eyes can never get off what the other person has done. You, you know that? Like, I come in, and, and it doesn't matter which one's doing it. Mal, uh, you know, Malachi or James, I saw you just punch your brother. Yeah, but he. Yeah, but he. Yeah, but he. Why? Because I'm justified. I'm okay in what I'm doing. I'm right because he's wrong. And we have to talk about this all the time. Listen, did you do wrong? Well, yes, but he, no, 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 I'm not talking about him. Did you do wrong? Yes, see, and that's where we get confused, right? We, we, we have this but he mentality, but he, and it's but he comparing, of course, to humans, and it needs to be the but he comparing to God. So then how do we do, or what do we do about this legalism in our lives? How can we, how can we maybe uh, address this a little bit? I think a big thing is to, to start with thankfulness, right? We start with being thankful. There's a video floating around Facebook, and it's from another church, and it is just so awesome that I felt like I had to show it during this time because I think this is kind of a reality for what we need during this holiday season. So Annabelle Rose, will you please play that for me, please? Boy, isn't that valuable? Let's be grateful for all the things that we have around us. Let's not get focused on the things that we don't have. Let's not get focused on the goats. Let's get focused on all the blessings that we do have. I, I think it will transform our hearts and our minds. And it will turn us, of course, so much closer to God. Philippians 2.3 talks about humbling yourself before the Lord. And we need to do that as well, right? That's the second thing. Be thankful. The second thing is humble yourselves and put others above yourself. Put others first. Their needs above your own. And, and, and I think you will find joy in the Lord when you learn to do that. And Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 talks about keeping our eyes on the Lord and how we need to refocus on Him every single day. And that's number three. We need to refocus ourselves on the Lord. We talked about the disciples, how Jesus is saying, I'm going to go and I'm going to die and I'm going to shed my blood and my body's going to be broken for you. And all of a sudden, this was during communion, they're talking about who's the greatest. They, they forgot about the Lord. We see this here with, with the Pharisees and, and the things that they were doing and feeling like they were going to get their way to it and that they were going to earn it. And they forgot once again about God. And, and it's not about you. It's not about what you have done. It's not about what you're doing. But it's about the Lord. And let's keep our eyes on Him, especially during this holiday season. What do I need to do, Jesus? Well, you need to believe in the one who sent me and the one who is being sent and it says in Hebrews 11:6, 6, 6, that without faith, it is impossible to please God. So let's turn our hearts, let's turn our eyes towards Him this season. Let's get off of what we have done. Let's, let's just throw away the idea that we can accomplish anything on our own. And let's remember all of the things that He has done for us. Let's be thankful and grateful for all of the gifts around us. 
Let's enjoy each other, and let's enjoy our Heavenly Father and what He has to offer, and let's keep our mind off the goats. Father, we praise You for what You have done. We thank You for Your Holy Spirit and Your words and Your truth. Just lead us, Lord, in everything we say and do. We praise You in Jesus' name. Amen. We start our Advent series next week, and um, we have found some devotionals that we want to get into your hands. Um, and I want to read the introduction here just to kind of set it up so you know what you're grabbing. And you can grab this from our website also, fccenter.net, if you just want to download it and have it electronically. That is my preference. I'm not a big paper person, but we also have some paper copies out there for you. And so in the introduction, it says, what does Jesus want this Christmas? Um, John 17, um, 2 through 4 says, I'm sorry, John 17, 24. Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. So what does Jesus want this Christmas? We can see the answer in his prayers. What does he ask God for? His longest prayer is John 17. The climax of his desire is verse 24. Jesus says he wants them to be with him. Sometimes we hear people say that God created man because he was lonely. So they say God created us so that we would be with him. Does Jesus agree with this? Well, he does say that he really wants us to be with him. Yes, but why? Consider the rest of the verse. Jesus, um, why does Jesus want us to be with him? To see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. That would be a strange way of expressing his loneliness. I want them to be with me so they can see my glory. In fact, it doesn't express his loneliness. It expresses his concern for the satisfaction of our longing, not his loneliness. Jesus is not lonely. He and the Father and the Spirit are profoundly satisfied in the fellowship of the Trinity. We, not he, are starving for something. And what Jesus wants for Christmas is for us to experience what we were really made for, seeing and savoring his glory. And so over the next four weeks, we're going to go through an Advent series. Advent is not a, you know, biblical thing. It's just a tradition that people um, practice. And so we set up our table here. and We'll have some special elements during the next four weeks. And so we want to invite you to make sure that you come, invite a family member, invite a friend, someone who really just needs to understand that, hey, it's not about what you're doing. It's not about being a good person. It's all about what Jesus has done. Amen. Amen. I'm going to ask you to stand up and I'm going to ask the prayer team to come forward. If you're here this morning, you would say, you know what? I've never asked Jesus into my heart. The prayer team is going to be up here and you can pray with them and receive Jesus into your heart. If you're out there this morning, you'd say, you know what? At one point I gave my heart to God, but I turned away from that and I no longer serve him. And I want to rededicate my life this morning. The prayer team will be up here and they'll lead you in a simple prayer and help you rededicate your life to God. Or if you're out there this morning, you would say, you know what? I don't even know 
I don't know if I'm saved. I don't know if I'm going to heaven. I don't know if Jesus is Lord in my life. I just need some help understanding so that I know that I know. The prayer team is up here and they'll pray with you. And so we want to give everyone that opportunity this morning. All you have to do is take a step forward after you've dismissed. All you have to do is say, Jesus, I'm taking a step towards you by going up and praying with this prayer team. And he'll meet you exactly where you're at. Let's pray. Father God, we do thank you for this morning. And we thank you for the opportunity to come and hear the word shared and have our lives, Father, changed closer to how you would have us to be. And so, Lord, we pray that we remember the message that was shared this morning. We pray that we remember those words so that we can apply them to our everyday lives. And, Lord, for those out there who are on that point of decision, I pray that you help them to make that decision, push them over the edge so that they can come and draw closer to you, draw nearer to you. We thank you for all these things in Jesus' name.